Oh boy, here we go for the Monday show already. Already getting our Monday on. And this week is a moto week. We are back to celebrated moments. The long-awaited Adam C. and Cirillo interview that I promised you guys all last week and then I never played it. I kept going, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to get it later. Yeah, I'll get it later. Yeah, I'll get it later. And I kept lying to you. Well, I'm done lying. It is here. Adam C. and Cirillo coming up in moments. And uh, in the Moto Minutes today, there is a story, Adam. Adam Cirillo, uh, Adam C. and Cirillo did a post where he was kind of praising Eli Tomac. Remember, they were teammates for years. Adam learned under Eli. And then he was just said that, you know, Eli could eat roost for an entire race and it didn't distract him. It's like he liked it. Like just, you know, it was a compliment. And then Zach Osborne makes kind of a diggy, uh, dicky and diggy uh, uh, stab at Eli in the comments. And then Eli replies, dude, Eli Tomac, the dude who's been silent since the injury comes back and takes a stab. Here's another reference, too. From what I understand, Eli hasn't been on Twitter in three years, but he found it necessary to go on Twitter and reply to Zach Osborne's comment. And he did that by blasting Zach Osborne. It's like, you're Zach Osborne. Don't mess with me. I'm Eli F. and Tomac. He didn't do that, but I wish he would have. He should have said, boy, do you know who you're talking about? I'm Eli F. and Tomac. But it's good. It's in the Moto Minute today. We'll talk all about that. Uh, coming off of the weekend, hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I did. I had a wonderful weekend. I got to see on Saturday, I saw everyone. It was just a great day. Uh, if some of you may know uh, some of the people that I got to see. I went to dinner with a group of friends, and they are my old, old friends. Two of them you would not know because they have never been on the radio, but I know them from radio, and I've known them for 30-something years. And then the other one, who I've known for 30-something years, who was a van driver at Power 106 back in the day with me, was John of the John and Jeff Show from uh, 97.1 KLSX. They did overnights for 10 or 12 years there, the John and Jeff Show ran. John and Jeff were both van drivers at Power when I was a van driver at Power back in the late 80s. And they are dear friends of mine. And then uh, Eric V of the Baker Boys was also there. You probably know who Eric V is. And that was cool. And then at the end of the night, I ended up meeting up with my son at a place in Burbank, because my son lives in Burbank, where Jack and I used to go all the time. So then I texted Jack, and I ended up hanging out with my old partner, Jack Hine, of the Jack and Stint Show, of the Jamie Jack and Stint Show, of the Jamie and Danny Show. I've known Jack for 20-something years. And it was cool to see Jack. So I had a really great night on Saturday. It's so cool to see your old friends when you haven't seen them in a while. One of my friends at the dinner, the first dinner, was like, I haven't seen you in 10 years. I'm like, seriously? And by the way, that shows you, man. Like, I am having regrets about the Big 49. I really am. Because I gave up my life for this radio station. I worked so hard doing my other jobs than the things I have to do that I don't have time to do anything I want to do. And don't get me wrong, I want to do the 49 and I love it, but it's every spare moment of my life, every bit of it is here on this radio station. And I haven't gone to dinners. I haven't, I barely see my parents. Like I've been a horrible friend and family member for a very long time. And I it made me really reflect on that this weekend after I got to see friends and one of my friends is like, yeah, last time I saw you we, we was 10 years ago. I'm like, Jesus, now granted, the 49's been around for three years, but I tend to throw myself into doing all kinds of crazy work. And for the last 10 years, when I worked at a rehab for the six years, 
I couldn't do anything there because I was on call 24 hours a day and I could never go away. I couldn't go out to dinners. I couldn't, I literally was at work or at home and that was it. It was no life either. So I've got to make things better in my life. I really, really do. But I had a great weekend and it was nice to see a whole bunch of my old friends and talk to them. And then, by the way, shout out to Violates Community Standards on their takeover on Sunday. That was fun to listen to. They came in, kicked down a bunch of punk rock, and uh, talked with Moto Man. All in all, a solid show from 2 to 4 p.m. on the Violates Community Standards takeover. Those are our homies. Uh, Shout out to those guys. Really, really dig the VCS crew. So coming up now, let's get into Adam Cirillo next. And then after that, I'm going to go ahead and sprinkle you with some UFO stuff. I got two UFO stories today. It's going to be UFO on top of UFO. It's the Big 49. Big 49, it is a stretch show, and right now we are sitting down with the man aboard the Pro Circuit Kawasaki. His name is Adam C. and Cirillo. We dig this guy. He's got a podcast. He can do it all. And today, he is back on the podium at High Point. Congratulations, Adam. Always great to see you up here, man. We are big fans. But this track today was gnarly. This was no easy task for you to make it to the podium. We had mud, and then we didn't have mud. We had gnarly track conditions. We had ruts. We had everything bad that you could have on a motocross track, and you managed to get back up on the podium. So walk us through your day and let us know uh, what the experience was for you today and how stoked you are to be back up here. Uh, Yeah, I always seem to uh, do pretty well here. Yeah. Obviously, two kind of two tracks, two weeks in a row where you kind of have to be more focused than usual, like really locked in the whole time. And um, kind of what I mean by that, obviously, we're always focused. But (laughs) on a track like this, it's if your mind wanders for even a couple seconds, I mean, you could be on the ground before you know it. And it's really difficult to not let any outside thoughts at all come in your head the whole time. And um, yeah, so I think. I felt great um, as far as that was concerned today. I felt like I got the the most out of it. Uh, The second moto was definitely like the fastest, I guess kind of some of that pace that I've I've had in the past. I kind of felt that again, which was nice to, you know, kind of be right there behind Kenny, put in some really good laps and obviously didn't, uh, you know, it's kind of tough for me to hold on there. Those second motos are difficult, but Um, I was fast enough in the beginning where I was still able to get good results. So um, really great. Um, It's been a great season so far for me. And uh, this is this is a really good like confidence boost and just morale boost. My my team, everybody, Oscar, uh, my my crew chief, Oscar, my mechanic, just everybody's been great. Um, It's been a really fun environment and, and we've been just grinding day after day and feels good to uh, get a result and fans are cool here. So. All right, Adam, here you are back on the podium today, really making progress. We're seeing it week after week. How much of a confidence boost are you looking at right now, knowing that a lot of guys that have been off at either World Supercross or an injury are going to be coming back to the track now, and it seems like you know they're going to have to find themselves, but here you are back on podium form and really getting dialed in. Is this uh, you know helping your confidence a lot along the way, or is this something where you're like, man, it's just going to get deeper and harder from here? Yeah, I mean, we it's been a tough season for injuries, of course, yeah. but I think when I'm on and uh, kind of doing my thing, yeah, I'm not. I, I feel that I can do this. You know, I feel that I can yeah. um, be on the podium and and win races. I think that's kind of my talent level. I, I feel I'm capable of that. So, okay. um, yeah, everybody's not here right now, but 
Um, and I look forward to everybody coming back. I mean, nice. if you ask anybody, I mean, it, it's obviously nice to, to get up here. It's some good momentum, whatever. But uh, we're racers, and we want to race the best guys. So, yeah. Um, but for sure, for me, just momentum. And, and like I said on, on the podium, just, just having that speed in the beginning of that second moto, I haven't had yeah. that in, you know, a really long time. Um, yeah, it used to be normal for me, and I took it for granted a lot. And um, it's taken me a lot of work to, to even get back close to that. Um, and there's been a lot of really frustrating days where yeah. I'm, um, you know, yeah, just super pissed off. And um, it, it yeah. just feels good to just keep grinding, have a good attitude, keep showing up, and good things happen. And let's talk about the injury. I know it's something you're battling with, and, and there is some points where you fade in that second moto because of, is it uh, numbness in your right arm, or, or what exactly is happening with your right arm for anyone that doesn't know? Yeah, so it's it's not, everybody says numb. It, it yeah. doesn't go numb. Okay. It's, I don't have... I don't have grip strength. I don't have the same grip strength. Like even okay. when I'm I'm driving in my car on the way to the track, it's yeah. different. Like okay. I I text with my left hand now because wow. my right hand will like hurt if I if I'm texting too long with my right hand, stuff like that. So it, it's really, um, if anybody's had you know nerve issues, they kind of probably can relate a little bit. It's the symptoms are kind of all over the map. Sometimes okay. I get like a numbness and tingling a little bit, but for the most part, it's just lack of grip strength. Okay. And then that's kind of when I'm on the edge and that's how I've always ridden you know yeah. that's kind of how I've made a living riding the edge and um, you know it's put me on the ground a lot because I, I don't have that strength there so now I'm kind of having to be a lot more patient and figure out how to go fast a different way okay. um, and yeah that's kind of what we've been doing all year and you know I'm not sure if it'll ever be perfect again but um, I can do everything I can, and uh, I'm stoked with what we've been doing. And what you're doing is working because you're back on the podium today, and congratulations on that. Very stoked for you. Happy to see you up there. Uh, let's talk about this, though. Let's talk about uh, tire choices. I know you ran the scoop tire both motos. Some people ran it one moto. I know Jet ran it first moto, then took it off for the second moto. Kenny didn't run it at all, but you ran it in uh, both of the motos, and that track was very different on each moto. Do you have any regrets about that? No way, man. The start, it was all about the start. It was <laughs> nice. so much mulch on the on the straightaway, and, okay. and right where um, that straightaway, right where it crossed the track, it was really, uh, really deep. I actually hooked a right. Uh, the, the ruts out of the gate uh, this week were, were pretty difficult to go straight. They were really long and kind of narrow and all over the place. So um, I went right, and it's still – I just held it wide open in the first turn and was able to get elbows on a bunch of guys. So I, I could have probably been 10th if it wasn't for the scoop. And okay. it was definitely uh, difficult riding out there with it in a few spots, like um, the little tabletop before the downhill, uh, yeah. before the finish line right there. Like, we were kind of down to, like, some PVC pipe right there, and <laughs> I was sliding up the face of that. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, anywhere it's kind of blue groove, it was tough. But um, I tend to actually ride a little bit better with the scoop because okay. I, I, you know, I kind of get the bike, like, A to B straighter. I kind of get on top of the knobbies. I, okay. I'm able to kind of cut back and, and not be on lean angle so much. So it helps yeah. me ride like that more. And, um 
Yeah, I don't know. Tough to explain, but I, I always feel good with that thing. And it worked out great for you today. So congratulations once again on that podium. Now we're looking at a week off. Uh, any big plans for the week off? What you're going to do? You're going to get your golf in? You're going to relax or are you going to go travel somewhere? What's happening for you in this uh, week off coming up here for the motocross season? Business as usual during the week, next week. It's, okay. it's weird because obviously the schedule is pretty gnarly. We're on yeah. a plane every weekend. So on the weekend off, as much as you'd like to go do something fun, it's kind of you kind of <laughs> just want to be home. Yeah. Um, I, I live on a golf course now, so definitely, nice. um, definitely play as much as I can and I, you know, yeah. probably try to rest as much as I can as well. All right. Well, Adam, uh, do keep doing what you're doing. Look forward to seeing you back up here on the podium. Good luck to you when we roll into Red Bud here in a couple of weeks. Enjoy the time off, whatever it is you get to do, and uh, best of luck to you in the future, my friend. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, big, the Big 49 Moto Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Over the weekend, I saw a video posted by Kevin Moran's Mr. Privateer. Gotta love that dude, how hard he hustles. And on it, he was not on that Honda he's going to ride in the World Supercross. He was back on his KTM, and he said, Hey, everybody, I'm coming back to race the motocross season, and I'll be there at Southwick. Southwick is next weekend. This coming weekend, we've got Red Bud. And then a very short time later, there was a picture of Kevin Moran's on that Honda going, Hey, hey, I just need to clarify. I'm still racing World Supercross. I'm letting you all know I'm racing World Supercross, but I'm going to come back and race. All of this tells me it is cemented in that round two of the World Supercross season is not going to go off on July 22nd. And all these riders are looking at chasing some cash in the Super Motocross season. And they're running back to America after round one and going to try to get as many points as they can to try to make it to that three-round playoff at the end of the year in the Super Motocross season. So it'll be pretty cool to see all the jockeying and all the riders come back and race that have not raced so far this season. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is a stretch show. Time to get into one of my favorite topics in the world. Way to start the week off. Had a great week. Got to see all my friends. Got to have some moto uh, talk earlier in the show. Just got to talk to Adam C. and Cirillo finally. And now I'm going to talk UFOs. Not only this segment, but the next segment as well. And both of my UFO stories today are not in America. And these are brought on by the American government. The, really, if, to me, it seems that the American government has been the bully of the globe when it comes to UFO UAPs. And they've been the guys that if you've got one, we're going to go get it and take it. And it's going to come back to America and we're going to try to make weapons out of it or reverse engineer it or do whatever. And you're going to basically consent. It kind of seems how it goes. Now... As we have gotten to where it's not so taboo and the mainstream media will talk about UFOs, we're getting some real interesting uh, ripples from the effect that it's happening that's going on right now in the United States with the Congress talking about it. The whistleblower, I think, has ruffled a lot of feathers and all of the people coming forward saying this is very factual that we have been gathering up these things. Well, now one of our closest friends and allies on the planet is Canada. And there is a member of parliament in Manitoba who wrote a letter to Canada's Minister of Defense. And they did it in the spring, suggesting that the country has been participating 
in a secret multi-nation program devoted to the recovery and exploration of material from unidentified aerial phenomenon, more commonly known as UFOs. So pieces of it popped up on a podcast last week, and they're starting to make the rounds now. And it appears to be from a conservative MP named Brandon Soris uh, and uh, Larry McGuire. And it addresses the defense minister, Anita Anand. And they say, America, it says, citing meetings with unnamed American officials. McGuire suggests Defense Research and Development Canada is in possession of recovered UAP material. As the Minister of Defense, uh, you may not be aware that the DRDC has participated in efforts to analyze UAP, reads a portion of the letter. Now, this whole thing came down in March 22, and if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in there is about the time we were shooting down the old weather balloons. Remember, the Chinese balloon started over America, and then we shot down three more, and two of them were up north, like near Canada, Alaska area, and Canada went out to retrieve them, and we never heard another word. In the letter, uh, Mr. McGuire goes on to say, it is un- incumbent that your department inform you what collaborative efforts have occurred with our allies and the details of existing agreements and memorandum of understanding that govern the program that may have been coordinated through global affairs. So this sounds like a foregone conclusion that they are aware that these things are out there. They call the program Five Eyes Foreign Material Program. McGuire says it exists between Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. And it is sponsored in Canada by the Canadian Forces Intelligence Command Canada. Um, McGuire goes on to call for more parliamentary oversight and for Anon, the Minister of Defense, and the Canadian government to develop a public communication plan ahead of what he termed, quote, upcoming public revelations that will stem from these American materials and programs. So whatever's happening, Canada is getting ready to, because think about it, if we blow this open, we screw all of the countries that have been working with us on this. Oh yeah, no, no, so now Canada's got to go, oh yeah, well, yeah, America's been lying to their people for 70 plus years, and well, we've been dirty with them for 50 of those 70 years, and yeah, and they told us we couldn't say anything, so we got bullied by America. That's not a good look. And all these other countries have got to think about that. The Five Eyes, that's the UK, that's New Zealand, Australia, Canada, us. They've all got to figure out a way to come clean to their people after lying for 70 years and having gnarly cover-ups. And think about the people whose lives they destroyed. People who saw UFOs or had something that they came out and harassed and intimidated and lied to and smeared them and people that were trying to divulge the truth where they came out and ruined their careers and, and no, no, they never worked in the government. We don't know what they are. They never existed. This person's a liar. And all of the smear awful things they've done throughout the last 70 years, all these people got to explain. And the fact that the Canadians are writing internal memos saying, we got to get ready for whatever the hell it is America's about to do, means America's about to F over all uh, four of the other five eyes in that program. That's pretty crazy. All right, I got another UFO story, and this one out of the UK. Speaking of the Five Eyes and people that are 
talking about things that aren't really real, things that are fake, things that people have been mocked overseeing and witnessing and testifying to. Whistleblowers had their lives destroyed. We're going to go to Canada next. And I'm not in the Canada. We're going to go to UK next. We got another one. This is sighting, though. But this is going to affect the entire globe here very soon. I'm Stretch. It's the Big Four Nine. The Man Entertainment Report! This has to be the strangest thing ever, but this is a real news story. Dana White has confirmed that both Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are ready to fight each other, and Dana White's putting the whole thing together. Here's the problem. Zuckerberg is a rich-ass dude with no life who apparently spends all of his time doing jiu-jitsu and going to little tiny jiu-jitsu tournaments and actually knows what he's doing. Elon Musk is a really smart guy who kind of has, well, the body mixture of ground beef. A lot of fat. He's not real fat but he's definitely not got any muscle, and I don't think that guy can fight to save his life. I think Zuckerberg would kick your ass. There's a kid. I'm assuming he got bullied a lot in his life. He's in high school now, and his name is Gilmore. His first name is Happy. That's right, his parents named him Happy Effin' Gilmore, and then the kid became a golfer to make things even more strange. He announced on the internet last week that he got a scholarship to go golf at Ball State University, and one of the first two to congratulate him is the real Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, which shows you how cool Sandler is. Now, here's a prediction that I don't want to make, but I am confident in making it. Bam Margera will end up dead or in jail. There is no other way out at this point. He is now withdrawn from the latest detox center he was at in San Diego, where Lamar Odom helped him get there. Then he was in for a while, decided he didn't want to be there. He bounced. Lamar talked him into coming and staying at his own home in Calabasas, California, to which point he stayed for a couple days and then decided he wanted to go party in Vegas. He was seen at Nobu in Malibu on Thursday night where, guess what? That's not a place for sober people. Bam is now gone completely and said headed to Vegas and this is not going to end well. Any addiction left untreated ends in death. And that, my friends, is a sad truth. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 4-9. It's like deja vu. I got my same music on. I'm going back into the UFO file. Gotta love to go down the UFO rabbit hole twice in a day. Told you there is the Five Eyes program that we're learning about from uh, people, MPs within the Canadian government asking their government to be more transparent with the people about UFOs. One of those five eyes is the UK, which is where we're going to go right now and talk about a guy that has come forward with some pictures of typically, like all UFO photos, they're blurry, but it's definitely something different. A guy named John Mooner was out in the countryside of Devon, England. He's a UFOologist. And he captured some pretty interesting photographic evidence that he says is proof that there are UFOs out there. Or he says extraterrestrials visiting our planet. I'm saying you don't know if they aren't government at this point. The photos happened. He was sitting out there with his Nikon P900 digital camera when he says he saw a metallic looking object emerge from a cloud. He grabbed his camera. He got some pictures. He estimates it to be going 1,000 miles an hour. I don't know how he would know that. It's very metallic looking. It's a little blurry, but it comes out of a cloud, and then it shoots off to some more clouds and then hides in those clouds, and you don't see it again. 
photographs reveal a craft with a distinctive dome structure featuring two black rectangular windows. And that's how close this photo is, as well as four black openings along the bottom. Mooner says he was particularly struck with what he describes as a force field emanating around it. I don't know how he could tell that. Mooner remains uh, absolutely positive that it's an alien craft that he saw. He claims that the saucer-shaped craft vanished at over a thousand miles an hour. It's pretty good. He claims it's definitive evidence. I'm like, but here's the thing: so much craft can be faked. Photoshop. I looked at every single day on social media because I'll post stuff about UFOs and stuff so I'll get UFO posts every single day I see photoshopped videos of fighter jets uh, allegedly chasing UFOs and and they're incredibly fake they're in the middle of the day over a lake and it's always what it is is it's a video of a fighter jet that somebody captured flying and then they take and they hack in a straight up flying saucer and then they have the fighter jet like it's following it problem is everything i've heard about ufos none 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 have ever let a fighter jet get that close to them that's one of the reasons you know those are all fake and it's not like the fighter jet is escorting it they're clearly trying to make it in these photos like the fighter jet is chasing it and it's right in front of them that with every account that i've ever had of fighter jets and ufos Every time the fighter jets get close, the UFOs either jam their stuff or zip far away to where the fighter jet can't make the turn. When it makes the turn, they zip to the other side and they toy with them. They don't sit there and let them sit like right on their wing like it's freaking Maverick and Goose and fly around. That's how you know everything you see on social media is fake when it comes to UFOs. Which is, not only are they just giant douchebags that are doing it thinking they're funny, it's so damaging to the cause of you know, revealing the truth in this. Because the truth is so muddy because there's so much fake crap out there. The government, I think, encourages the fake crap. I really do. Because they don't want this out there. They don't want to have to explain what they've been doing for 70 plus years with dead aliens and crashed UFOs and all kinds of crap like that. And they also are not trying to look to screw over their closest allies who are all going to get screwed too if this blows up. And it's going to blow up. We've reached the boiling point everybody has a camera on them we're going to get some real stuff and there's going to be some definitive proof i predict very soon and you know the stuff the whistleblower says someone's going to bring something forward and then they're going to get that on the news and be like look at this this is not human man-made and voila it will be the end of the truth embargo i'm looking forward to it personally so there we go that is my latest and greatest in my ufo today let's get back to real stretch show stuff how about a what the florida to get the freaking monday show rolling we'll do what the florida next it's the big four nine big four nine it is a stretch show on a monday and it is time to get our wtf what the florida a big old fist full of the sunshine state this one's about a lady i'm gonna set a moto man up with this lady her name's Brittany. You know she's hot if her name's Brittany. Brittany Holbrook's 33 years old. I don't know, Moto Man, he might marry her. He could marry her. She could be in prison, though. Be one of those romances. Moto Man could be like a fanboy of this chick, because she's a murderer. She murdered her last boyfriend. Holbrook arrested on one count of premeditated murder after they say she murdered her boyfriend, Tyler Nullish, who's 30. 
in a drunken stupor on June 17th. By the way, look at that photo. This is an attractive lady. Motorman, she's hot. I'll hook you up. It's been alleged that in the days before the shooting, Holbrook made violent comments about an unnamed ex-boyfriend while drinking with a friend. Holbrook was allegedly drunk at the time she shot her current boyfriend and claimed she was acting in self-defense, saying he held her against a wall and strangled her. And in Florida, that's all you need to shoot somebody. But uh, what she said about an ex-boyfriend days before has got authorities like, yeah, this chick's crazy. She got a big old tall glass of crazy and drank the whole thing bottoms up. She shotgunned that thing like it was a Schlitz malt liquor tall. Yeah, apparently she said about her ex-boyfriend, she said she was going to gut him like a deer. Oh, Moto, she's an outdoors chick. Moto, this is going to happen. We're going to make this happen. She was having drinks with a friend when she launched into a violent rant about her ex saying, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take a knife into his stomach and I'm going to rip upwards to his throat and gut him like a deer. This is a keeper right here. Need a chick that can handle herself. The woman who did not want to be identified when she found out that this chick had shot her boyfriend. She's like, yeah, I got to tell you, I was having some drinks with her the other night. She told me how she was going to gut her ex-boyfriend. Then she goes home and shoots her current boyfriend, all drunk and crazy. Yeah. Uh, the woman explained that they had been having uh, fun before Holbrook launched into the violent rant as she continued to drink heavily. It's like we're having a good time. So, you know, you know how it is when you're out with somebody and you're having a good time and then they tell you something that just kind of like, well, we can't unhear that. Yeah, I'm going to go home. You enjoy yourself crazy. I'll be talking to you later. I think I'm going to go drinking with you anymore. You're having a good time, talking about sports, hanging out with your friend, and all of a sudden they start telling you how they're going to murder their ex, and you're like, yeah, all right. You laugh about it, and then they keep going, and then when they give you the gory details. There you go. The, the boyfriend that she shot, uh, they shared a love of fishing, diving, and they were very outdoorsy. Yeah, according to uh, LinkedIn, Holbrook works as a yacht manager while her boyfriend listed his job as a commercial fisherman. He's now dead. Social media posts on Holbrook's Facebook show the prayer embracing one another lovingly at Christmas and a few other pictures showing at one point they were very close. That appeared to change on the morning of June 17th when shortly before 3 a.m., their roommate woke up to hear Holbrook crying for help. When she went in the room, Nullish was lying on his back in a pool of blood. And uh, she had uh, uh, Holbrook frantically trying to stop the bleeding. And as he was laying there dying and Holbrook trying to stop the bleeding, uh, Nullish said, that bitch shot me in the back. So apparently he was walking away. She got a gun and shot him in the back. They were all out drinking earlier on the patio that night. But it was her comments a few nights before to another friend she was out drinking with when she was talking about gutting her ex-boyfriend. And now they're like, yeah, we got her. She also claimed he was trying to kill her, but she uh, denied firing a gun, even though there's a bullet in his back and she was screaming for help and trying to stop the bleeding after she shot him with an eyewitness. Whoopsie, whoopsie. Whoopsie, well, this chick's single. Boyfriend's out of the picture, Moto gonna be a hot chick in jail looking for some loving get your conjugal visit sure we gotta send you to florida but hey you know 
do what you got to do for love. Uh, people say she seemed so normal most of the time, but when she drank, she became a monster and a switch would flip. And she'd start screaming and throwing things and she'd start hitting her boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. People say of the boyfriend he was a kind and loving soul. Uh, after this happened, after she killed her boyfriend, her and the roommate cleaned up the crime scene and were convinced the attack had been premeditated. Yeah, you don't clean up the crime scene unless you're guilty. Say Holbrook always kept a loaded gun in her purse, so whatever happened at the fight, she whipped it out in a drunken stupor and shot him in the back. Shout out to you, you crazy chick. I got Moto Man coming your way. It's the Big 4-9. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Today on the Stretch Show, we sat down with Pro Circuit Kawasaki's Adam C. and Cirillo, who is the first rider I can remember to host a podcast while still being an active factory rider. And well, that has changed now because Christian Craig has thrown his hat in the ring. It seems like these dudes are as competitive off the track as they are on, because now Christian Craig, another active rider, even though he's out with injury right now, is hosting a podcast as well. His first guest is Danger Boy Deegan, an old family friend and Adam C. as Daniel Blair on this week. And I'll tell you, typically these guys wait till after their career is over, then they go get a podcast or try to do some television hosting or something like that. But these guys doing it and kind of projecting out the long game is very new to the sport of moto. And the first to do it that I can think of as active racers are Adam C. and Cirillo and Christian Craig. So good luck to them. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big four nine. It's a stretch show. Got my corn going. It's just super low. This song starts super, super slow. Ah, oh, man. Right now, I'm going to tell you about peepers. Peepers and creepers. You know how tweakers going to tweak? Creepers going to creep. And creepers are now getting high tech. This happened in Rhode Island, Cranston. A lady was getting ready to get into her shower when she heard bzzz. I know that sound and I immediately know what it is. I'm like, either there's a weed whacker flying outside or someone's mowing the lawn at 9 o'clock at night. It is a drone. You guessed it. And the quadcopter drone. But what's funny is she didn't see it. She was getting ready to get in the shower. She heard it. She said she thought it was something wrong with her pool. So she went out to see what it was. When she got out to the pool, she turned, and there was a drone right outside her bathroom window at her house. And at that point... She started walking towards it. The drone then saw her on the ground in the back, you know, outside of the house. And she had made it. So the drone then went to take off and hit a branch on a tree, fell into her yard. Quick thinking as she is, because then all they had to do is regas it and take off again. She grabbed it and threw it in her swimming pool and it killed it. Now's the good part. So you're a lady. You did some heads up thinking. You find a drone looking in your bathroom window when you're about to get in your shower. It freaks out, hits a tree, falls in the ground. You throw it in the pool, you disable it. You call the police. It doesn't say how the police were able to get into this. I know you're supposed to register drones and there's a lot of stuff with drones, but the police trace this drone back to a convicted sex offender. Yeah. And when they got there, he admitted to flying the drone and he was then taken into custody. He's been charged with one count of video voyeurism. So he added filming and 
he knew this lady's bathroom window. So he was flying around with his little drone, probably within a, you can go pretty far. If it's a good drone, you're talking a mile range or more, and a mile from your house is pretty far away. Like you don't know any neighbors a mile away. And he flew it over, was just looking in people's windows and he found a chicken in the shower. And then she got his drone that he got got. But beware, if you ever hear that noise, it always sounds like a weed whacker. If you think there's a weed whacker outside your house at an hour that a weed whacker shouldn't be going, even if it's an hour when a weed whacker should be going, and you're like, that's weird, my gardener's not here today, go, go investigate. Because they can sit outside your window, they got cameras on them, they can look right in. They can look in through cracks in the curtain. I mean, they can get right up to the window. And they're very steady and easy to fly. So check that out. Always look into that. I, I like this lady saw it, grabbed it, threw it in the pool, and it fried its circuitry. And that's how they traced it back to this fool. So good on her part. All right, coming up next, I just got a, brad a badass smartwatch over the weekend. I'm going to talk about it. And then I'm going to tell you how there is, well, a criminal investigation going on in the U.S. military right now over smartwatches. We'll talk about this coming up. It's the Big 4-9. Brought to you by LBZ. Looks like our favorite duo is back together again. I am talking about Mr. Ronnie Mack, the king of funny on a motorcycle, along with Colby Raha, who is the man right now in the freestyle motocross scene. And they do some great videos when they get out. They are entertaining. And I call them like gorilla freestyle, where they just pop up ramps anywhere they shouldn't be and go do jump somewhere. And they do that this week, but they also do some track riding with some sick big air videos. And at one point, Colby seems to dislocate his shoulder. Then they pop it in. They throw the bikes back into a trailer and they head to Hollywood. That's right. Hollywood and Highland right there. If you've ever been where all the freaks and tourists are, they put a ramp right there on the Walk of Fame. And as a tribute to Donald Trump, I'm assuming they jumped his star on their dirt bikes. And then they did wheelies down Hollywood Boulevard, pulled around the corner, loaded the bikes up and got the hell out of there before the police came. These videos are entertaining as hell. It is Colby Raha doing what he does best. And when he brings Ronnie Mack in, you know they're going to be entertaining. So check it out. It's up on YouTube now. I saw this one on Ronnie Mack's channel, but it's very good stuff. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is Stretch Show on a Monday. Getting ready for Red Bud this weekend. Going to get our racing on and get ready after Red Bud. You're going to see a lot of dudes on the track you have not seen at all this year. A lot of dudes that are going to bounce straight out of the UK after round one of the World Supercross. And they are going to race after this weekend in the Motocross Championship because they want to try to get some points and get all that money in the um, Super Motocross season. The SMX. There's so many MXs out there. There's WSX, MX, SX, SMX. <laughs> it's crazy. But a lot, a lot of uh, Supercross racing in the world, which is all good. But trust me, in the end, when you do this for a living, you do it for the money. And that is what you are motivated by. The best opportunity and the money are where you can make the most or do the best. And that is what is going to happen here after this weekend. Redbud will be the last weekend where we have five guys that could win it in the 450s. 
well, one guy that could win it named Jet Lawrence, and then four other dudes that come in second or third. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. So, very excited about that. Uh, also, I'm, very soon we might get um, Jason Anderson back from the Pro Circuit Kawasaki team. I expect him to be a beast when he gets back out there. I don't know if we get Barsha back at all this year. They may hold him to Supercross. Because, like, you had a surgery it didn't take. You had their surgery again. Do you put him back and risk him getting hurt when there's nothing on the line other than some championship points to get in the SMX? That would be the only reason I could see. If he needs the points. Barsha had a good year, though, at Supercross. All right, let's get into this story about smartwatches. I got a smartwatch uh, over the weekend. I had ordered it online, and I effing love it. Mine's called a Dry Strike. Love it. It's really big, which I like. I like big watches. I don't like the thin little smart, like the Apple watches. I'm not a fan of those. Plus, I've had one, and I am a Neanderthal that breaks everything I am. I am rough and tumble, and smartwatches just don't last with me. So... This thing is a smartwatch, and it does everything that my Apple does or any of that, but it's it's like super heavy duty. Like, you hit it with a hammer. You can put it in water. You can do stuff like that. Like, it's a heavy-ass duty smartwatch. And what's cool for me, being that I am a fat elderly man with uh, medical issues, I am able to monitor my health with it. It does very accurate blood pressure readings. I'll give it that. It's really good at blood pressure readings, uh, oxygen level in the blood, heart rate, sleep. It tells me all kinds of stuff. So, very cool. But let's get into when smartwatches are bad. Do you know, because I know, that in order to really operate this smartwatch, I had to put an app on my phone. And guess what? It's effing Chinese. I got a Chinese app on my phone. And I know they're spying, but guess who else spies on me? Every other app I have, every social media I have, spies. Who buys that? The United States government buys that information. On these Chinese ones, they, they just take it straight from it because they own the app because the Chinese government owns everything in China. And if they don't, they'll just take it. But let me tell you about this. United States naval officers just started getting free smartwatches in the mail. All of a sudden, just smartwatches showing up. They all start getting free smartwatches. U.S. Naval Criminal Investigative Service launched an investigation into the unsolicited watches over concerns that they can be used to listen in on conversations and to steal information. The Army issued a public warning this month about service members across the military receiving these free devices unsolicited through the mail. Say it's unknown who is sending the suspicious devices. I got an idea. Their name is Chicken to China. However, the smartwatches are clear signs of counterintelligence and cyber threats. Once turned on, the devices automatically connect to wireless networks and cell phones without even prompting the user. This allows the watch to gain access to a myriad of user data. These things can be dangerous. Military leaders fear that there may be malware on the watches that grant the sender access to save data to include banking information or anything else. So it could be a, just a hacker group or it could be a foreign adversary. Malware can also access microphones and cameras on devices, enabling a bad actor to listen in and observe conversations and accounts tied to the watches. Say smart watches, like any wearable device, can be used by adversaries to gain a wide collection of personal information and pose a security threat to the United States Navy, the U.S. Marine Corps, and the NCIS spokesperson uh, broke it down to CNN. So this is a real thing. 
American military members getting free smartwatches in the mail and they're slapping them on and then hacking into the, <laughs> whatever government crap they're around. Yeah. Say, junior enlisted uh, members of the military don't make a ton of money, so getting a free smartwatch in the mail would certainly be exciting for many. Yeah, they are expensive, I'll tell you that. They're no Rolex, but they're no freaking Timex either. Yeah, they say these watches could be a valuable collection source for a foreign intelligence agency. Could be a hacker just trying to get your bank account. Could also be a foreign adversary. And if they're all coming to military bases, I'm going to say it's a foreign adversary. Chicken to China is tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Like Run DMC. Tricky, tricky, tricky. That's what they are. Can't trust them chicken to Chinese. Can't trust the Americanese either. Who you want to be spied on? I, I had this conversation yesterday. I was talking to my friend. I was like, he's like, you got TikTok? And I'm like, no, I don't use TikTok. He's like, you should use TikTok. It's way more people on it. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I put up a video the other day. got 3.4 million views. I'm like, damn. That's huge. Like, if I get 10,000 views, I'm freaking ecstatic. That's a great video for me. He's like, I know, I can get 3 million on TikTok. And he goes, just put your videos on TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, but you get spied on by the Chinese government. And he's like, well, the other ones you get spied on by the American government. So what do you care? What are you hiding? I'm like, yeah, nothing. What do I care? He goes, TikTok's way better. And and I used it and stopped using it. I had a bunch of ghost videos up there in the Big 49 account. And then I was going to get sued by my old work where because I, I wasn't really supposed to have those ghost videos. Because it was, anyway, I wasn't supposed to have those. And I did, and then people started, their work there started finding those, and I took them all down. So then I just got away from TikTok because it was like spy crap, I thought, anyways. But now I'm back on, so if you want to follow the 49, we're back on TikTok. Pretty much the same crap you're going to follow us on Instagram. I'm going to, the Instagram and the TikTok accounts will mirror one another. And I got a fancy smartwatch, too, so I'm a full-blown spy for the Chinese government now. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> crazy world we live in all right what are we gonna do next am i gonna spy for the chinese government i'm gonna go spy on the big 49 for the chinese that's what i'm gonna do uh i got a story about some bad more bad guys in florida another florida story now let's go to indonesia next this story's fun got a guy it's got a friend indonesian fisherman he made a friend 20 years ago and every day they hang out this is the weirdest story you'll hear all day. It's the Big 49. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. We got some Eli Tomac Twitter drama. Let me tell you what happened. Adam C. and Cirillo went on a couple weeks ago, and he had this post. Watching some old Tomac footage, maybe the most underrated skill he has is the fact he doesn't give one single crap about roost. Guy can eat rocks for 35 minutes completely unbothered, 50 foot wide straight away, and he's on the back tire like he likes it. Then Zach Osborne chimes in and says, that's funny because I felt this was one of the major weaknesses when I raced him. I felt like the more I roosted him, the better chance I had at beating him. It was my last line of defense in 2020, and it worked. Remember, that's the year Zach Osborne won the outdoor championship. Well, a few days later, Eli Tomac saw that post, and he decided to break his radio silence. He wrote, Ha! Huh, this is the fakest news point of view I've seen in some time. That's like saying most of my wins have ridden on the coattails of being a whole shot artist, which is a massive dig at Zach Osborne because that's exactly what he was, to which Zach replies, fair enough. Yeah, 
Don't mess with Eli Tomek, boys. The champ is just sitting down right now getting better, and he's going to come back and eat you. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. How about this? You ever meet a wild animal at work? Maybe you feed it. When I remember when I worked at a rehab up in Malibu, we were way, one, we were way up in the hills. Like, really no neighbors. It was just rolling grass hills behind us with some trees here and there. And there were tons of wildlife, deer, mountain lions, coyotes, raccoons. And we had some animal nut jobs that would put food out at night thinking they were feeding the raccoons and we turned into a massive wildlife problem. And the next thing you know, there were two mountain lions in the parking lot. And that ended uh, feeding of the wildlife at that point. One of them would go out there and hand feed the raccoons and the raccoon would come up with babies and they'd feed the babies and the babies would literally walk on her. It was insane. But this guy, kind of the same thing. He's a fisherman. One day, 20 years ago, he was out in his boat went a big old, well, it wasn't even a big old. There was a little old crocodile swam up to him 20 years ago. Uh, the thing was only three or four feet long at that point. And he said he saw it and it came up to his boat. And then he's in a little boat. Fisherman in Indonesia is going to be probably on what we would consider a rowboat with an outboard motor on it. And this guy went ahead and went back and it followed him all the way back. So he's like, wow, this thing followed me all the way. So he fed it. Well, now it waits for him every day, every day. And he is, he is literally, it's now like 12 feet long or more. It is huge. And he has been friends with this crocodile for 20 years. And there's pictures of him petting it. And it's, comes up to him and he feeds it and he pets it and it's never bitten him or attacked him or gotten aggressive with him but he does feed it i'm like yeah it's a matter of time but 20 years is a pretty good run 59 year old ambo is his name he's a fisherman from bantong city in indonesia and they say he's become a celebrity in the country because of his unusual friendship with the giant saltwater crocodile that he named rizka and once he named it Rizka and he became so tight with this giant crocodile, well, it wasn't giant, it was a, it was like a child crocodile when it met him, and now it's a big-ass adult. It, uh, he then named his boat Rizka. So he named it Rizka and he named his boat the Rizka after the crocodile. And he says, they're like best of buddies. He feeds it food every day, tosses it in the water, the crocodile eats it. Now they say more than 20 years. They've been friends for 26 years. Over the years, the two unlikely friends became really close. Riska often floats right next to his boat when she sees him, and she won't go away until he pets her. Oh, yeah, that's that thing's waiting to eat you. It'll literally come up and sit next to his boat, and then he'll reach over and pet her, and she'll go away. I would imagine fishing's not easy when there's a effing 15, 20 foot crocodile sitting next to your boat. It's the size of his boat. It's huge. Pictures of this are insane. Yeah, but somehow these two got a close relationship. I had that same relationship with my ex-wife. I'd feed her and she'd follow me. She was a big monster, big toothy monster. She tried to eat me. It was a matter of time until she killed me. Uh, Ambo uh, had something happen to him where he got a job and he was away from fishing for two years. 
so he had another fisherman take care of Riska for him. And they say they would throw him some of the fresh catch every day. And Riska's just become part of the community and people see her as a guardian that she looks out. He says he looks at Riska as if she were his own child. He admits that he still fears uh, sitting too close to the giant crocodile now. But she could literally swallow him whole if she wanted to, but they seem to be friends and she literally comes to him and waits for him to pet her like it's it's a pet. It's crazy. I don't want to be friends with a crocodile. Or my ex-wife. Either one. They're both bad. Or a great white shark. Same. All the same. Crocodile, ex-wife, great white shark. All the same. Seems awful. All right. Let's get up into the final hour of the stretch show. If you missed Adam C. earlier on the show, we'll drop that. And then we'll come back and wrap it up. It's the big four nine. Oh, thank God. It's lunchtime. Batman loves lunchtime. Even though I'm not going to lie, I got a big old doctor's appointment next week. We are, uh, by the way, heading into 4th of July weekend this weekend. A lot of you will be off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, not back to work next Wednesday. And I know you'll leave early on Friday because you mofos do. I got to work Monday and then Tuesday's 4th of July. I will be off. But this week we got a full week here at the 49 and nothing's going to stop us. Oh, man, I'm fired up for that. But I got a doctor's appointment right after the 4th of July, and I got to do blood work, and my doctor gets mad at me. So I'm going to have to, like, watch myself this week. I lie. I cheat. I do everything I can to make my doctor mad. It's fun until I fall over dead. It's not so fun in games. It's all fun in games until you drop dead. Man, fun times. Shout out to Adam C. and Cirillo for being on the show today. Tomorrow we'll get into those... 250 riders. We'll start it off with Mr. Hunter Lawrence of the HRC Honda team. Sounds like a rocking good time to me. Motocross is back this weekend. It is Redbud. Big 49 will have the call, but Redbud is another one of those early-ass things. Don't even try to watch qualifying. 6 o'clock in the morning, BS. Gate's going to drop at 10. The show's going to start at 9 on the 49. God, that blows. I hate that. I have one thing to look forward to in the weekend, sleeping in. And I love sleeping on the weekends. It's my favorite thing. And getting up at 8-something so I can do a 9 o'clock radio show is not cool. Davey Coombs got to fix that crap. Yeah, let's start races at 10 o'clock in the morning. How about suck my balls? How about we start them after lunchtime and we let the East Coasters get a late afternoon race in? We'll let the racers sleep in, get some good shut-eye. Mofos. Not happy about this. All right, I'm going to get up out of here. I can complain too much. That's what I do. It's my specialty. Complaining and eating. I'm very good at both of those. I will talk to you guys tomorrow with Mr. Hunter Lawrence. Until then, I say to you, God bless you all. And God bless the United States of America.